It is the last roadcast of the year. Farewell, 2023. Hello, 2024. Uh, let's let's rock. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sort of a lighter podcast this week. It's a it's a lighter week yeah. for comics. You know, we, we were talking the other earlier, Randy. They used to for years just because of the scheduling and stuff like that, and when there was just really one big distributor. Have almost nothing that came out. Yeah, the week it was, after it was like Skip Week almost. Like there'd be like eight comics on the wall, and it, I think it was just embarrassing. Yeah, kind so of. This, this is a full week. There's yeah. this, and, but and there's we, a, do, we do want to talk about a very big release. There's a major there's, release. There's an um, release that we uh, liked. One bit of news, and then one you know, there's a couple quick topics. So maybe a short of a shorter podcast, yeah. but yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll burn through that. We'll get to it. Yeah. Also, hopefully, weirdly, hopefully everybody had a good holiday. By the way, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, weirdly, uh, no uh, no new games this week. Yeah, yeah. I odd. think that was the the gaming industry was kind of probably figuring that uh, to give people a little bit of a break that yeah. they'd figure they they'd bought their holiday presents they'd given some games. Well, every other week there's like ten to fifteen new yeah, ones. Yeah, so they're kind of like okay, we need games. to come the first week pause. in January. There will be eight thousand games. Yeah, probably so. <laughs> but uh, that you know that said, um, you know with the the sort of breadth of selection that we've got these days. Uh, if you know, if you end up looking for something for New Year's Eve or uh, you know as, as a you know gift to kick off the New Year or something like that, we got some stuff. Ooh, oh, we got games. We got plenty of games. We didn't need new ones. I'm playing Tapple on New Year's Day with my nice. family. Oh, fun. Nice. Um, all right, so let's talk about comics for this week, uh, and let's start with the one we all really want to talk about, which is Duke Number One. Yes. Yeah. Um, you may, uh, if you've ever listened to our podcast, notice that uh, we end every single one saying, Yo, Joe. <laughs> now, um, it's not that uh, we're devoted... It's all in preparation to this con. <laughs> it's all building <laughs> it's up to this. Long it's a long con. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, to give the little quick history for, for people who, are, who might be newer to the podcast, we did all kind of come in in the early 80s, or, or maybe late 80s for you, Nick, on yep. with some G.I. Joe stuff. Sometimes more... I think, Nick, you came in more, a little more through the cartoons, I but did, did some of the comics. But G.I. Joe number two was the one of the first comics I remember yep. reading. Yeah. And uh, Randy and I came in uh, early with G.I. Joe, and so it was... Uh, maybe people don't know, but there was like it really had like some very strong writing and was quite different from the cartoon, which was kind of a little bit more the outrageous side of G.I. Joe, yeah. the larger-than-life stuff. Um, and, and had some really stunning writing from, from Larry Hama that kind of matched up with Marvel's other stuff at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, cut to years later, there's been lots and lots of different variations of G.I. Joe, and some have hit, some have missed, but it's kind of, none have been as kind of exciting for us as, I guess, the G.I. Joe and Transformers stuff that's been landing lately as part of the shared Energon universe. Yep. Overseen by Robert Kirkman of Walking Dead. Fame. Yeah, Kirkman's uh, Energon Universe has been maybe the most exciting thing in comics this year. It's true, which yeah. is crazy. I would not have expected that, but yeah. we've all we liked the three issues of Transformers that have come out. I think we've, we've each had a preview in number four. At least yep. I think yeah. I have. Yeah, it's great. Um, People have been reading Davis. it like they'll try an issue and they'll be like, "Put me down, put me down for this." Part so, of that is Daniel Warren Johnson. Yeah, this one, uh, Duke, uh, the GI Joe part is. Overseen by Joshua Williamson, who's yeah. been around in comics He's from writing in, image books called like Dark Ride and Birthright and uh, uh, Ghosted Nailbiter, Nailbiter. Right over um, at DC, he's had notable runs. Uh, Flash, Flash, Superman. Uh, yes, yes. Well, he's currently writing Superman and Green Arrow. And did uh, a friend of mine just the other day read the Rogues miniseries? I believe he oh, did. Right. Yep. And I really uh, like that. that yeah. was like his for DC's Black Label. Yeah. So yeah. he's pretty prolific, but yeah, he's he's overseeing this. And what's interesting is he he does the the cartoon is kind of like his key point, but he's kind of doing what a lot of people do when they take certain animated properties like oh the Power Rangers and stuff. Right, right. right. I know that's not animated, but like all ages properties, 
and and kind of rethink them for comics or figure out where where to plug in. Right. And which is to take them a little bit more seriously, but not so seriously that you lose the fun. Correct. Right. So Duke has been teased a little bit. He was an issue two of Transformers, right? Yes. Yeah. He was getting um, like buddy a, got killed. He's getting a ride home. Uh, t- Back to base yep. from uh, the, in, a, in a jet. In a jet, and the, and the star scream shows up, and, and uh, things just, do not go well. No, he <laughs> he wrecked the jet. He he, he smushes his friend because star scream likes to smash yeah. people. They they ejected, and Duke was able to escape, but his friend got like hand clapped by star scream into oblivion. Well, Duke had a high tech like jet pack that was yeah. Awesome. He had, okay. he got some GI Joe type tech there. So without going too much into this, uh, but the the sort of basic of this is that Duke is like a conspiracy theorist about Transformers, and his higher-ups are like, you were this beloved special op, and now you're this crazy guy ranting about robots that transform out of vehicles, and... It seems clear that the military knows that Transformers exist, but they don't want anybody talking about it. I think it also is a little bit of PTSD yeah. uh, with Duke kind well, of sure, dealing yeah. with the loss of a friend. But yeah. And, and, and yeah, I mean, Starscream and the Transformers definitely play a huge part of it. But. He's being dressed down in the beginning and told to stop talking about yep. this. And instead, this guy who's like really considered the best of the best soldiers, anybody who read old G.I. Joe comics or watched the cartoon knows that, especially on the cartoon, he was like the main G.I. Joe dude. Yeah. He was like their... Their most cool dude in the comics it was Snake Eyes until the but movie the... where he had a uh, snake shoved into his heart. Uh, you're talking, of course, about the cartoon movie, not the one yes. that was the live action one where he was played by uh, sort of notable. Oh, Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum. Tatum. Yes. Channing Tatum. He did a good job. He did. Yeah. Um, uh, what's what's number? Being killed by the snake? Is a snake thrown into your heart, into your chest or uh, most <laughs> acceleration suits? I mean, I'm going to say acceleration suits. I agree absolutely with you. were, um, yep. but you know, he's going to make it as Doc told. Us. In the GI Joe cartoon, <laughs> they did tease his death. This was 1987. Yeah, and uh, he was originally supposed to die there, but because actually kids had been going to see the Transformers movie, and Optimus Prime died in that, and they were not prepared for it. Yeah, and they were like getting scarred by it. Uh, they changed at the last minute a few bits of dialogue yeah. so that Duke survived. I also just like to, just in a monologue for me, I'd like to think that uh, everyone saw Lieutenant Falcon and was like, he's not as good as Duke. <laughs> and they're like, okay, we have to keep Duke Duke's going to make it. <laughs> so um, this this is a pretty straightforward action comic. This is. is a conspiracy espionage. He is he is looking for proof. He is, uh, there's there's some spectacular action sequences. Who's the artist on this, Dave? Um, the artist is Tom Riley, I believe. Yes, Tom okay. Riley. There's some really good art in this, and I really yeah, like the... Uh, he, he grounds this in, like, this, this very detailed backgrounds and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and what I was going to say is, like, there's G.I. Joe lore intermixed in it. Stuff yes. from that you'll recognize from the cartoons, as well as some stuff you'll recognize from the comics. Um, uh, if you if you're a longtime reader, right? I just I'm gonna I'm gonna name a name of the, the the character his contact in this. I don't think that's too big a reveal yeah. without saying too, I'm not gonna say a ton about her. But in the first issue of the original G.I. Joe comic, there was a person they had to do a rescue op on named uh, Dr. Burkhart. And she was like a physicist who'd been working on some top secret stuff and had become a hostage and a political pawn. And Cobra was going to kill her and the Joes had to go in and save her from this super dangerous fortress. And um, there is a re-envisioning of her in this uh, in an interesting way. Uh, and that is kind of like all the stuff that, that you'll see in here that are that, that you'll recognize um, from from GI Joe comics is pretty cool. I think they're just clever rethinks on a lot of stuff. And and there are you know this this is the Energon universe. So there's the bits and pieces of Transformer stuff yep. in here. That's a little bit more low key, but it's like 
I mean, without saying too much, it's like you you you'll be looking for things like, oh, well, what is the connection between Cobra and the Decepticons? You know, is yeah. there something going yeah. on? Um, how would that happen? What would it look like? They're boyfriends. They're boyfriends. Yay! I'm happy for them. I'm happy for them. No, um, and and Duke is simultaneously like feels like he's in way over his head in this, but he's also a badass. Yeah, you know, he's like he's your kind of your Jack Reacher. Your um, uh, who's the what do they call? It? He is the man of action. He's a man of action. Yeah. Um, that was a callback to the cartoon specifically. Yep. Um, but like, uh, Jason Bourne, you know, he's, yeah. he's kind of, un, uh, you know, because he's off the grid in this and he's not quite like, he's not like leading troops and stuff. Although you'll, you might start to get to fig- figure out near the end of the issue kind of how they're going to start getting closer to the G.I. Joe team, which G.I. Joe itself will be in a comic in early in the year, right? Yes. Yeah. But um, this is this the formation of this. So this miniseries is, is going to set it up. So this is like the ground floor. So... Cobra and G.I. Joe don't technically exist at the moment. They're right. starting to come together. That's right. Uh, which I think is a really cool idea. Yeah, it's fun to kind of be there for, uh, on sort of for ground floor stuff and to see what you can kind of do with uh, that and also connecting the G.I. Joe and the Transformer stuff um, if you build it from the ground up and you're really, you've, you've clearly been thinking about it. Um, so I think, the, I think people who are reading Transformers who just by virtue of that, if you're enjoying the Transformers comic, you should try Duke. I think we all really enjoyed this issue. Yeah. I think yes. I, I, this is one of those, buy it. If you don't like it, you can bring it back to it for exactly. something else. We will, of course, scorn you uh, <laughs> for not liking this thing we all love, but you can do that. But Nick will give you a tut-tut. Nick will give you a tut-tut. I think we were all kind of skeptical because it was uh, yeah, kind of one of those I, things where we oh, didn't know I don't we... know that any of us really want the G.I. Joe and the Transformers link. Like, which right, right. they've always been discreet. Yeah, we always have to mention this because it's it is not something that like it, I, uh, that I was excited about when I heard they were doing it. Yeah, I needed to see it, and we had seen like a preview copy of this like a month ago or something yeah. like that, and so we kind of knew it was good, and uh, that's why we've been giving a little bit extra push is because we're all on board it, and honestly, not just because we're old school fans, it's just a good book. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, I think Transformers guys should check it out. I think even if you were a G.I. Joe guy and you kind of like, you may not think like, oh, I want to see this shared universe. I'd still say to give it a try because I, you know, I like it more than any G.I. Joe comic I've read in quite some time. And I feel like it's going to pick, land at a good vibe. A little bit somewhere between, uh, Larry Hama's kind of relative realism of the comics back in the day and this sort of larger-than-life action of the cartoons with certainly some Hollywood act- movie action thrown in. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, and I thought the back the the write up that Joshua Williams does uh, Williamson does kind of his uh, yeah. love for GI Joe and where it comes from. I like uh, was really the, cool. I've liked Daniel Warren Johnson and him have both done good write ups on why they connect to the properties and where they where their entry point was and yeah. stuff like that. And it's it's fun to see they're both they both seem sincere and very enthused for it. Yeah. Um. Marvel is releasing their new... It's the third one they've done. It's, a, it's always a one-shot at the end mm-hmm. of the year called Timeless. Yep. The previous two are by Jed McKay, and they focus largely on Kang. I think both of them do. Yep. Uh, this one is a... It is still a time travel thing. It is, is about a post apocalyptic future in which uh, a, an older Luke Cage is facing off with a... Uh, maybe an evil Moon Knight, essentially. Yeah, or some yeah. avatar of him or whatever. Avatar of yeah. Khonshu. Um... And in so doing, they're also like previewing some of the stuff that's going to happen in this year's Marvel Comics. Yes, yeah. Um, I, I kind of like the the notion of the the weird, uh, you know, 
Cage versus Moon Knight. Yeah. So that's kind yeah. of a neat idea, I yeah. think. Uh, I haven't had a chance to read this and like see what other what other what it shows as far as like hinting at the rest of the Marvel stuff, but um, yeah, I just I think that's a cool premise. Uh, the gang war stuff continues. We've got an issue of Miles Morales. We've got the second issue of Spider Woman and the first issue of a miniseries, Deadly Hands of Kung Fu. Yep, which yes. is uh, continuing Greg Pak's uh, Shang Chi. Yes, um, he is the head of the Five Weapons Society, which he is like. His father was a big criminal gang, and he is basically having to run a criminal gang, and then he's actually, but he's a good guy. It's kind of like... We've all been there. It's kind of like what, uh, yeah. what, uh, what the Night Shift, uh, is it Shade? Who's the, who's the guy? Shroud? Shroud. Yeah. The, who's, who's pretending uh, to be a villain. An obscure Marvel yeah. character, but if you know him, he's badass. Yep. But they've they've done this before. The guys who you know it's deep undercover kind of thing. He yeah. is the head of this thing, but he's he's trying to do do good. He's having the people in his the people in his uh, his criminal gang are like you're too soft, and yeah. he's like no, it's all a plan. I promise, I'm a bad guy. And, yep. Uh, it's it's interesting. It's it's a they're they're being they're trying to basically keep Chinatown their territory, and there's a question of whether or not he can do this without becoming a villain. Okay, I like that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's an, it's an interesting first issue. Um, Nick, you read Book of Butcher, which is the newest spinoff from uh, House of Slaughter and something. Yeah, yeah. It, and it what just, they call the Slaughter The Slaughterverse. <laughs> which is the House of Butcher, which is, uh, I guess, they're, each of these like focus in on a specific house and kind of their uh, makeup and why they exist. And Are they this all one, monster hunting houses? They're all monster hunting, but they all have like different focuses. Okay. And this one is about kind of their killers. They call them the their black masks, okay. which are like their elites. Okay. Uh, and this one takes place in like the swamps of Louisiana. And I thought it was a really good one. This one is a sort of interspersed with like uh, information about various monsters and kind of their hmm. like pr- their defenses and their attacks and things like that. So you get a little bit of monster manual in there, which yeah. is kind of fun. Huh. Um, is, it, is it one of those things where you kind of need to have been reading the others? I, I I'm way behind. I've been reading it in trade, but I'm still like maybe like three trades behind, and I didn't have any problems picking up. There's a character I recognize from uh, from the Spain series. Right. Probably like bonus stuff if you've been if you're yeah up, if you've been keeping up. You but could, you, you could, could try, try it out if you just want to get your feet wet in the slaughterverse. <laughs> the slaughterverse. <laughs> That's what they're calling it, right? The slaughterverse. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was in one of the solicitations I saw. I think that is sort of the I mean, name that they landed on. That's great. Catchy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it was a good first issue. Okay. Um, there's a couple notable reprints this week. Uh, Teen Titan, New Teen Titans number one and Wolverine number one. Yep. Uh, both sort of classics. Um, and uh, I do want to mention a couple trades. There's uh, Secret Wars 2. <laughs> uh, which is the sequel to the, the famous Secret Wars that's been on print for a long time. I've never you may read. know this as the miniseries in which the cosmically powerful, omnipotent being known as the Beyonder came to Earth and embodied in a white tracksuit with yep. a kind of jerry curl haircut. Yep. And uh, and came to Earth asking people uh, like like kind of it was like a Faustian deal. Like, what is your greatest wish and yeah. desire? Well, he was and, trying to figure out what what it was to be human, right? But he was just, <laughs> he was, he had all his power, and he was yeah he was granting wishes and stuff. He would it, yeah he incarnated as a human to do this and try and learn it. There's a famous sequence which must be mentioned, yep. in which uh, he like oh he goes to like I think talk to Spider Man, and it's like he's like at P- Peter Parker, he knows who Peter Parker, and is, he's yeah. like uh he's like here quick step into this room with me, let's talk. And he does that, and then the Beyonder like touches his abdomen, and he's like, "There's a strange pressure I feel here." And he's like, "Oh, you you have to go to the bathroom." 
and that's that's a thing people do. And he's like, how does this operate? <laughs> Poor Peter Parker, you see, leads him into the bathroom, and he's like, well, okay, let's show you. And what I believe afterwards you see the door open and the Beyonder comes out and he says, like, it is accomplished yep. or something like that. Peter Parker teaches a cosmic being how to pee. Yep. <laughs> Very exciting stuff. Um, but I guess it'll show you the gym shooter had a sense of humor. Yeah. Um, this was, weirdly, this is what brought me into the Marvel Universe proper. Like, this is what led me, the Secret Wars 2 tied into everything. It's a tour so of the whole thing. It's where I first bought X-Men. Huh. It's where I first bought Iron Man. Like, uh, a Ready? lot of these books. I think I told you what that sort of was to me um, uh, was Dazzler number yeah. two yeah. with the Enchantress in it and like all these superheroes show up at her concert. Yep. And so I was like, oh, who are the Avengers? Who are the X-Men? I guess I better start figuring this out. It is worth noting that these crossover things, these little touch shows that they don't do as much anymore. Yeah. They worked. Yeah. They, they showed you these characters like, oh, I wonder who this character is. Yeah. Um... And then uh, we also got the trade, uh, speaking of all our nostalgia, X-Men Epic, Sele- Epic Collection Brood Saga. Yes. This is a, this is a great this run. This is very, Claremont's very run. good stuff. Uh, arguably uh, drafting heavily off of the Xenomorphs of Aliens. Yep. 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 Uh, but, but with some neat new ideas, you, they, they, they would like the brood uh, aliens, when they took over you, when they hatched inside you, you kind of became one of them, like you physically transmogrified into one of them. Yep, yep. And you would like, if you were a mutant, you would retain your powers and stuff. So they were like, "Oh, we like this. We want, we want mutants. We want to make one of the mutants one of our queens and stuff like that." I just remember the cover to one that has Wolverine transforming. Yeah, uh, that was a grueling issue. One of the most grueling things I've ever seen Wolverine put through. Yeah, because in the issue, he's on like this alien world. His body is trying to fight off the brood, and it and it's like it's trying to transmogrify him. Yeah, and he is also going through. He's being hunted by alien by the by other members of the brood on the world. They just want to capture him yeah. so they can kind of oversee the transformation. But there's like other monsters and creatures all over. This is like an alien death world, like a jungle planet where everything is shredding him to pieces. And he's trying to avoid essentially becoming a brood. Isn't this also where he gets his brown costume from Fang? I believe he may at some point. Because the Fang is the uh, Imperial Guardsman who I think gets killed by the Brood. Or, oh, no, or does right. Wolverine kill him and take his costume or something? It may be. Uh, among the other stories in this, there's uh, stuff with Star Jammers in it. Uh, the first art by... Uh, it goes from Dave Cockrum to... Um, uh, oh my gosh. Um, uh, Paul Smith. It's really stunning artwork from him. Uh, the issue, it's, this has the issue where Ilyana gets pulled into limbo and loses like 10 years of her life and yeah. comes back as like a teenager and would later become magic right. at that point. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but also the, some essentially normal stuff in here. first appearance of limbo, uh, uh, there's a flashback to when uh, Xavier teamed up with Magneto to hunt Nazi war criminals after Korea. Um, and, um, oh man, yeah, there's that Paul Smith I artwork. there's so much Lalandra in here. Yeah, yeah, he and, oh man, it's got the issue where, with Dracula in it, too. Oh, wow. That has Bill Sienkiewicz artwork, yeah. uh, really amazing stuff, um, uh, just <laughs> lots, lots of things, uh, well worth it. If you want to read some of the best of X-Men, this and, is... And they've been reprinting the Claremont era pretty well. Yeah. Like, I think between two uh, or three of these epic collections, you get a lot of, uh, kind of like one of the golden ages of the X-Men. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, Dave, I know you've got some single, single shooters over there. Yeah, a few strays to mention. Uh, you know, I wanted a quick mention from last week, Beyond Real, from Vault, which yeah. we got as a thing where it's like, you, we got enough of these that you buy something and you can get to have one of these just to try out, to like buy any comic. Yep. Um, and, and I mentioned the premise, and I just wanted to say I have since read it, and I liked it quite a bit. Uh, this is the one that's about the, is the world a simulation thing? Kind of matrixy, right? Kind of matrixy, yes. And uh, what, but, but what struck me on reading it, well, first of all, the artwork is intensely great. Uh, but also, the young couple, they're kind of like graduate student age, I guess I'd say, uh, are, are an appealing couple. She's an artist, and he's like a, uh, I can't remember if he's like a, like, is he like a physics student or something like that? He mentions having done, like, a TED Talk, but I, I wasn't sure if she was having fun with him uh, or not. I think I think he actually did, has done, okay, like, a TED Talk. Right. So he's, like, kind of a thinker and pop scientist guy, and he's the one who's really... He, he's kind of pushing the idea of, of the um, uh, simulation world, and she, as an artist, is, like, really kind of not liking this at all. She's like, I don't even really like talking about this, joking about it. But there's a, they have a real connection to it, and that's why later on in the issue, when they're in a car wreck that leaves him in a coma and has her actually wanting to, hoping that it's a simulation mm -hmm. because there seems like that might give her some pathway to fixing him. Right. Um, and But there's this cool stuff where she sees like almost that Matrix type thing. It's like if you saw the Matrix grid of like underlying buildings and stuff like that. Right. She sees that and she sees like this big floating in the air, like this digital words that say something like gateway timeout error. Huh. And she realizes that she is like sort of outside the coding. It seems like uh, unless she's hallucinating, right? I don't know. Um, and there is this creepy sequence where these kind of digital skeletal giants are kind of chasing after her initially, hmm. and they're they're freaky looking, and they seem to be like the guardians. What would I guess in the Matrix be the agents? Okay, it's it's not that Matrixy. Like there, she doesn't step out into a real world. It's more like. She's in this digital world and seems like she may be able to access its code in a way other people can't. Right. And um, that is, but, again, for the record, free. If you buy anything yeah. else, you get a free free issue of this. We also still have issues of their previous one, uh, which I've forgotten the name of. Unnatural there. Order? Natural Order? Unnatural. Unnatural Order, yes. Yeah, yeah. And this so one, again, is called Beyond Real. These are both uh, pretty cool indie comics, and you can check the first issues out for free yeah. because of uh, Bolt's new program. Yep. Uh, let's see. Uh, one or two other single issues I wanted to quick mention. Yeah. Uh, the uh, Alan Scott Green Lantern, uh, part issue three of six. This one is notable because it has the Spectre in it. Okay. And there's like an extended investigation and conversation with the Spectre in it. And uh, it's actually some of the more interesting Spectre writing I've seen in a while. It's the Spectre when he is new to being the Spectre, and he does, you know, they have kind of retconned the God's Agent of Vengeance thing yeah, in there, yeah. even within the 40s. But he's not, he, he's more human and approachable. This, you know, he was mapped onto Jim Corrigan. And um, they, uh, they, they, he, he's like, you know, doing investigator stuff, not cosmic, I'm right. going to melt a whole country kind of stuff. Uh, but it was some of the more interesting writing I've seen with him in a while, and it's cool to see him and Alan Scott as co-investigators. Uh, Jay Garrick is also has a pretty strong guest role in the issue. And then I really liked issue 7 of Green Arrow, which I read on a whim because I knew it would be the start of a new storyline. Mm -hmm. This this is the uh, Dawn of DC Green Arrow 
era that began with him in space, and I think we were all a little bit like, well, these issues are pretty good, but it's weird to have him in space. Weird to have him in space. He's back on Earth now, good. and good he good. kind of will, in a, in a weir- weird way, this is actually, you know, you were talking about comics that are good for introducing the universe. Yeah. He is kind of, was concerned that the Justice League disbanded while he was away, and we know we know about this because the Titans, that's why they're right. so big. Right, right. They stepped up, um, and... Um, he's like he's he's worried about some something like going on, and he's kind of talking with all his old buddies. So you it will catch you up on what is going on with Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, and there's even a, like glimpses of like you know John Jones and a bunch of other Justice Leaguer uh, people. Uh, uh, kind of an extended conversation with his old buddy Hal, and um, uh, that's it's another Josh Williamson books. It's it's a Williamson Wednesday uh, when you <laughs> when you listen to this. When you yes. listen to this, yes. yes. Um, anyway, um, uh, but I, I found this like as good a jumping on point as you're going to get. I think uh, so. Uh, plus, it's clearly leading into some bigger stuff going on with the Justice League and pay, maybe tied to Amanda Waller. Uh, who's clearly got some stuff going on in that what beast world? Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. Um, I think that's the main stuff I wanted to mention. You know, there's issues this week of Avengers Inc., Sensational She Hulk, um, the new, the D and D comic. If you're feeling that uh, Baldur's Gate thing, uh, this one is set though in Planescape. Planescape, yep. yes. Or uh, what's it called? Sigil, City of Doors. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the new issue of Titans. Um, Titans Beast World. Yep. Um, and I think that's all the main stuff I wanted to mention. Nick, anything else? Yeah. Uh, World Tree finally comes back. Oh, yeah. Six yep. issue. Yep. Uh, the fourth issue of The Flash. Uh, that's that's his Dawn of DC. His Dawn Book. of DC was really good. And then the final issue of uh, Predator vs. Wolverine, which I thought was a really good conclusion. Oh, is it the final issue? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. who wins? <laughs> I mean... The Predator kills Wolverine, and that's the end that's of it. That's it? Yep, that's the end of it. <laughs> you know, I know each of these have been jumping around in time, uh, jumping forward in time, so that there was, like, say, an issue where he was with his old... Uh, what do they call his his... Black Ops team. Oh, the... I mean, they're Department H. Department H, yeah, whatever they were called. Yeah. Um, um, With Maverick and those guys. This one deals with the time in Japan, and also uh, during kind of the uh, 80s era of uh, X-Men. Cool. Uh, Yeah, I was just wondering, yeah, what era they land in for it. And that's the final issue? Yep. Cool. All right. Um, Let's real quick talk about the one bit of news we got this week. Dave and I want to mention this. Uh, Star Trek Prodigy, which was a sort of underwhelmed or underrated, Rated, yeah, uh, but very good Star Trek project. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's animated. an animated. Uh, it was on. It was it was a co-production of Paramount Plus and Nickelodeon. Yep, yep. And then it, it they they canceled it, and Netflix came in and rescued it. So it's going to be showing on Netflix, and season two will be on Netflix yep. as well. And season one is actually quite a. Um, Quite a, a big season. They broke it into two parts. It's like so twenty six like, episodes, right? I think it's twenty. Or 20. So okay. There's it's like ten and ten. Okay, all right. So, but like that's a lot. Um, uh, and you know, I'm not usually a big big uh, multi season guy. I don't mm-hmm. like big episodes. This one, I was really glad there was this many episodes. It's well, they're also they're half hour episodes, right? Um, because is it's this an animated on Netflix thing. now or is it coming it is. soon? It's on it's on, as, it's of, on as of Christmas. Okay, yeah. okay, so. I think we've talked about this before, but just yeah, we don't need recap. to do the long, long version um, of it. But basically, it is it is post Voyager Star Trek. It is a uh, they're they're out in this. It's a it's a group of sort of they're young they're kid, tween, kids, kids and teens, teens yeah, teens and tweens, I guess, who Aliens. are on like this uh, this prison asteroid 
yeah. uh, seen by uh, overseen by this guy called is it the overseer? I think so. Is that yeah. what it is? And uh, who has like sort of mysterious motivations? He's like excavating an asteroid yep. and doing slave labor from lots of different aliens to do it. They manage to get loose, and they figure out the thing he was after was like a. Uh, a uh, prototype version of a of a starship, yep. like a Federation starship, yep. uh, called the Protostar, yep. which they managed to escape in, and that's kind of sets off the series. They're a bunch of young kids who don't really know. They're they're from the Delta Quadrant, like yeah. where Janeway was trying to get back yep. from way back when, and they they they're trying to uh, figure out how to run the starship with just them. Uh, figure out what even is Starfleet that they've heard about. Yep. They're aided and abetted by a hologram of Janeway, Janeway yep. uh, which is really fun. Of course, these are voiced. She's voiced by um, Kate Mulgrew. Kate Mulgrew. And they are pursued by the overseer and his agents, but they also kind of bounce around and they run into other Trek-related things. You'll see them interacting with Klingons and Romulans and yep. bounty hunters and stuff. Um, I'd say they are, age-wise, it's targeting the same style as something like uh, Last Airbender yeah, sure. or, uh, what's that, Dragon... Dragon Prince. Dragon yeah, Prince, yeah. That, that kind of thing. Um, and... If uh, if it feels a little kiddy in the first few episodes, I'd say to give it a give it a few more. Yeah, that's like three or four episodes to get this really get its vibe. I can't remember if I stopped watching it or if I just was thinking about it. But I know it, like it almost lost me the first few episodes. Yeah, and then by the end of it, I loved it. Yeah, it actually has. It's, it's funny. There's there's something in its end about its ending that it has in common with the finale of Picard. Yeah, and I thought it was the better of the two in that one respect. I actually kind of agree with you. Yeah. Um, and um, the, the the characters get more depth as things go along. Um, I think there's an episode. Is it called? Was it called Time Amok or something like that? Yeah. That focused on uh, Rock Talk. And uh, and I feel like if you know if 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 nothing else, watch that episode. If you're not quite feeling it, and you'll see, I think the series doing a sort of depth that they don't. Uh, you might not pick up in the first right. two or three. Um, but, um, yeah, it is a cool Star Trek, uh, thing, uh, that they, they are talking about. I saw some producers musing about, but somewhat seriously, about doing some live action stuff with yeah. it the same way they did when they did the Lower Decks crossover in A Strange New Worlds, which everybody loved because it was yep. one of the best episodes. Yep. Does this mean we're going to get, uh, Jason Menzoukas in a, like, a giant, uh... It's possible. <laughs> a Jenkum a, a, a a a suit. suit. It's possible. Yep. It's possible. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's a, the kids are an endearing group. Um, Janeway is cool in there, and if you like the Star Trek lore, you'll see lots of neat bits and pieces. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's talk about What If, which came back on Christmas Eve Day, right? Or was it Christmas Day? No, it was. It was. There's four. There's five four episodes now. So when it, five oh, days five. ago, yes, you're right. You're right. There's five. So five days so ago, twenty first. Yeah, the twenty first, and then it's going through the end of the year, I yes. believe. Yeah, uh, they're releasing an episode a day, which is great. Every day I wake yeah. up and there's a what if. <laughs> um, so I, this is season two, and it's it's lighter so far than season one. Uh, like yeah, a little they had bit. The Science Bros episode, which is my least favorite episode. Yeah, uh, not the Science Bros, but the. Uh, uh, party Thor episode, right? Of the first my, season, which is my least favorite episode. Yeah. These are close in tone to that, but they're a little bit more focused and oh, they're better. I, I kind of disagree. There's right. like a level of levity in them, yeah. That, that, but there's not like that kind of. That, it's not that they, in they your have, face about they it. They have the last two have bordered on too goofy for me. 
but they're still on the right side of the border because I still really enjoyed them. Oh man, the the Die Hard episode is yeah, that was amazing. Was uh, so let's real quick run it down before we. Get the, so the first one is what if Nebula joined the Nova Corps? Yep, and it is a straight up noir Blade Runner style. It takes yeah. place on Xandar. Uh, she's investigating a mystery. It is. She's basically a detective for for the Nova Corps. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, did, did, uh, sorry, did, did what's-her-name voice her? Yes. Not Karen Gillen? Karen Gillen, Gillen. voice her. Nice. Um, that was really interesting, and they did some stuff like... Did I kind of like uh, Nebula? Should I watch that episode? Oh, for sure, yeah. yeah, okay. yeah. It's a good... Uh, there's They they make use of some... Taika Waititi is all over this thing. He, yep. He's voicing Korg in a couple different episodes. Yes, he is. Um, the second episode was the 80s Avengers, basically. Yep. Which so, is a really cool basically like, cast what of if, characters. What if, Peter, what, what if Peter wasn't taken by the Ravagers or something? Or what if what if Peter Quill fought the Avengers or something like yeah, that? Yeah, that's what I it was think called. From what I heard, uh, what what do you call it? Yondu handed him Yondu over. Yondu yeah. ego, he's ego. More... and he, so he comes he comes to Earth as like this star child, right. And is like rampaging through New York, and so the people who are there have to form the Avengers. Uh, Sharon right. Carter and, and uh, Howard, Stark Howard Stark are running Shield. They call in uh, Ant Man, who is voiced by Michael Douglas. Yep, who has brought his teen daughter Hope to to work with him. Yep. Uh, they call him back in. Goliath. They recruit Goliath, voiced by uh, uh, Lawrence Fishburne. Yep. Uh, so we get to see Goliath, because we never actually saw this. No, no. About it. it was very cool. Um, and uh, there's somebody else notable in there, I think. Marvell? Oh, yeah. Uh, Marvell, uh, the uh, Annette Benning's character from uh, oh, Captain right. Marvel. From Captain yep. Marvel. She provides the super fast jet. Yep. That is their, their Quinjet, essentially. And T'Chaka. And T'Chaka. Yeah, Which Black is Panther. fantastic. Yeah. Wait, wasn't Annette Benning a villainous type character? No, no, the, that she, was the Supreme she, Intelligence version. Used her face, but oh, right, that was right. That, that was a yeah, yeah. And then there's uh, Sebastian Stan's uh, Winter yeah, Soldier. Yeah, Winter Soldier. Russia loans them the Winter Soldier, which is great because um, the world has to come together to, to, together to or, fight this big alien threat. It's really good. Was, uh, I I thought that was, there was, was really that well Kurt done. Russell. What's that? Was that Kurt Russell? It was that Kurt Russell? Yeah, yeah. Kurt Russell voicing ego. Like, the voice cast on these is very impressive. Like, it is. They don't have everybody, but they've got a pretty good... I'm always like, that guy came back? <laughs> um, and, in fact, I, I had to check on uh, the, the Die Hard episode to see if Werner was, in fact, Werner Herzog. <laughs> it is not. It is something no, doing his voice. But it, is a cool, it was a nice close uh, that was proximity. Yeah, the, the third episode, which aired on Christmas Eve, is a Die Hard riff using Sam Rockwell's... Uh, uh, Justin Hammer. Justin Hammer. He basically tries to take over Avengers Tower, and Happy Hogan. Happy has to uh, has to get in, involved yep. there. Um, Darcy is in Darcy's it. Darcy's in there. Um, that's a lot of fun. And then the episode for Christmas Day is all on Sakar. It is like a Death Race 2000. Yeah. Basically, the premise is that Tony Stark, when he went through the wormhole in Avengers, he doesn't come he back. Doesn't come he... back. The wormhole closes, and he winds up in space, and he winds up on Sakar. Yep. Jeff Goldblum's Grandmaster. Great time playing the Grandmaster. Uh, Tessa Thompson is in there. Uh, Gamora is in there. It's not yeah. voiced by Zoe Saldana, but the first thing it's, got is good. It's it's teased as like the because she was the big savior of the first one. Yeah, season. she was she was a big character in the uh, and this is how she sort of starts down that. It's path. her story, yeah, yeah, which I thought was cool. And I, then I today's I haven't seen yet. Yeah, I know what it is, but uh, yeah, I have not seen. It. I'm excited for it. But I know, we know 1602 is coming. Yes, uh, looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, it's been so far. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, I'm I'm really enjoying. It. it feels like a throwback to the old MCU, per, like post Avengers, pre like all the sequels, pre Avengers Infinity War. Yep. This is all the stuff that happened while the Avengers were a thing. 
I, I'm having a ton of fun with it. I just feel like it. There's something refreshing about it. Yeah. They do uh, the animation is it's gorgeous. Really good. Yeah, I really like it. I really think it's a great blend. Uh, CG with cell shading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's top notch. Yeah. Uh, and I'm excited to see what they do. I'm glad this came back. I I love the first season. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people have some problems with it. Uh, I think this is so far. This is stronger than the first season. It is. The first season's uneven. I agree. Uh, this is stronger. Um, there's no Bro Thor. There's no Bro Thor. And actually, <laughs> I thought their Doctor Strange episode in the previous one was a little. on Disney Plus. Yep. Uh, also on Disney Plus, uh, Doctor Who, which we've talked a little bit about the three specials that were uh, uh, David, David Tennant, Tennant and Catherine Tate. Uh, in the the third of those, they introduced the Shudigatwa mm-hmm. as the new Doctor, and this is the Christmas special. Introducing Shudigatwa as the Doctor and Millie, uh, God, what's her name? Something as the as uh, Ruby Ruby Sunday. Yeah, Ruby Sunday. Who is the uh, the new companion? Mm-hmm. Um, this is a. It's a little bit labyrinthy. There's a. There are goblins. They steal. Oh, a baby. you mean you don't mean labyrinthy like the plot is twisty. No, you I mean, mean like, like labyrinth. movie labyrinth. <laughs> movie labyrinth. There is a. They're they're fighting goblins. Okay. Uh, Shooty Gobble was a ton of fun. He's having a great time. He's a he's a very very fun doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, the new companion is good. I like her too. Uh, I don't know where the series is going to go. It's later later in twenty twenty four. It's going to come out. But where is the episode set? Uh, it's in London. In London. Okay. Yeah. It's, Present it's time. Present time. Okay. Yeah. But uh, it's good. She's got a mysterious origin, kind of like a lot of his companions do, yep. um, and it ties into the story. Um, it is a it's a lot of fun. And Shooting God was clearly having a blast being the Doctor. He's got a new design for the Sonic Screwdriver. Yeah, I've seen that. It's yeah. interesting. And he was great in the the third. He was special. Yeah. So, yeah. so uh, I, I definitely recommend it. I think I think this is going to get me back. This definitely got me back on Doctor Who. You're going to uh, go back and watch it there. Probably other not. stuff. Probably uh, not. No, you got to go back to the original one from the '60s. Yes, I was for just sure. going to yeah. ask the Jodie Whittaker stuff. Or something. Yeah. Uh, nope. All right. No, I think I probably won't. I think I'm I'm good with uh, where we're at. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah. All right. Uh, that'll wrap it up for us this week and for this year. And uh, we'll be back next year with more. And until that time, yo, yo Joe. Joe.